today I'm here with Ashley. Ashley, can you tell me a little bit about what you do? Uh, yep. So I run a page on Instagram called The Allowance of Growth. Uh, and I talk a lot about mental health and self-care and a bunch of other things. And so today's topic, we're actually talking about adult children of alcoholics. So do you want to tell me a little bit about your story? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm now 25, almost 26. So my story has been going on for obviously quite a few years. Started off when I was about 12 or 13. My mom uh, became an alcoholic after obviously those previous years of being sober, or is, that's what I thought at least. And so over the span from 12 to 18, I was living at home and going through all of the things my mom in that sense. So it's still happening today, but obviously I've moved on. I've moved out of my house. So things are a little bit different, which we can touch on obviously as we go along. So I've been in this situation for, I don't know how, even how many years that is, 10, 11, 12, almost 13 years. So so I think a big theme of this podcast today is just having to take responsibility for your parent instead of them parenting you. Um, is there anything you want to talk about with that at all? Is there any times growing up where you remember having to take care of your parent? I know we've talked once before and you mentioned how you felt like you had to talk your mom through uh, mental health crises and mm -hmm. things like that. And I think that's a lot for a kid to have to deal with and it might make you grow up a lot faster than you should have. Yeah, so I think anyone who is growing up with any sort of parent who's an addict, either of drugs or alcohol or whatever that is, I think there are many times where you do have to be the parent. And so, I mean, specific instances I can think of are, like you said, so talking about mental health with my mom, uh, when really that should have been, you know, another adult or doctors or yeah. the help that she, she could have obtained um, if she had chosen to. So, I mean, for example, I can remember, you know, dealing with my own mental health and, and when you're going through puberty and as a teenager, you're, you're going through so much on your own as it is, but then coming home and having to deal with her depression or her anxiety. Yeah. That sounds like it'd be hard to have to take care of two people when really you're just supposed to be able to have a childhood. And I mean, dealing with mental health issues as a teenager and as a child is hard enough as it is. Right. And then having to mm -hmm. handle somebody else's is a big load. Especially somebody who is supposed to be the one doing that for you, like you said. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's definitely a huge piece. I think that a lot of people struggle with. I know that a lot of places on your account, you've talked about just having built up anger and stuff like that. Is there anything you want to say about that and how you've coped with kind of an acceptance that your mom is the way that she is and that you kind of lost that childhood? Mm -hmm. So anger for me was, it, it happened for so long and it was so consistent. Um, for a long time, I was in the mindset of, uh, I, you know, I'm the only one going through this. Why did I deserve this? Uh, why yeah. can't I just have a normal mom? So that, that took a big portion of my life and my youth, I think was being so angry about that. So what I've come to terms with now uh, is that there are other people, I mean, I can't even imagine how many other people that I probably even know who are going through the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. You mentioned um, that's a big reason why you're a social worker now, right? Yeah. So that's the, the biggest piece was that I wanted to be able to help 
kids and teenagers and then even even young adults now is something I'm venturing into who are going through or who have gone through the exact same thing. How would you say that your mom's relationship with alcohol has affected your relationship with it? Like growing up, did you still drink? Like I know teenagers drink a lot or I mean, it's personal preference, but how would that have affected your relationship with it? No, that's an awesome question. I think that that's a, a question that's so interesting for people to hear about and talk about. So growing up uh, as a teenager, I did personally choose to go out and drink with my friends. Um, At the time, I never thought that it was impactful on me. I just was having fun doing teenager things. It wasn't until probably my early 20s where I started to think, I guess, have a fear that I would become an alcoholic as well myself. And so I was more aware, I think, of how much I was drinking, how often I was drinking. So there was a period of time where I didn't drink at all. So I would always be the DD to bars, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So now I think now I've, I've come to terms with like that it is okay for me to drink, that I'm not my mom I'm myself even just having that self-awareness yeah would make a big difference I think uh, yeah. do people in your surrounding circle do they understand why you're DDing or like what kind of acceptance do you get with that yeah so I have an amazing group of friends and an amazing partner from day one my friends have been a huge part of growing up they've known they know my mom they know everything that I went through they've been there since grade school so they've seen the whole thing so they are all really fantastic I think it's more strangers like people that you meet when you're out doing those things that normal young adults do and do you find that something that you're comfortable talking about with strangers or probably not in a in a (laughs) like a bar setting yeah um but for sure, if people in a, like in a normal day-to-day life setting, if people ask me about it, I, I feel I'm pretty open to talking yeah. about it for sure. So I talked, I asked a little bit about your relationship with alcohol, but how do you think that growing up, um, a ch- you said it's called a child, an adult child of alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you think that's affected your personal relationships now? Like just the way that you grew up, just the dynamic of having to kind of be that parent. How do you think that's affected your relationships now? So I think for a really long time and still today, I struggle with trust in relationships and, and sort of, I guess, trust in all senses. So I find it hard to trust people sometimes, especially, especially like that family sense. So any sort of motherly Mm -hmm. type figure that can be scary. I lucked out. I got a mother-in-law who is, she's fantastic. She's been life-changing. And was that weird for you? Kind of entering a setting where she was like a responsible, you know, parent? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was so, it was super strange. I mean, I, um, I chatted a little bit with you last week about some of the amazing women that sort of like took over when they thought that I needed that little bit of extra help. And yeah, it's a little bit weird to have people just check in on you and like care about you in, in ways that you haven't really experienced. So yeah, definitely. So I guess the viewers don't know this, but we've talked a few times before just to get to know each other. You talked a lot about in your childhood, just having to move around a lot and I just want to know like how that affected you, kind of the feelings. You said that you moved uh, with your grandparents and you moved in with your brother. How did that Mm -hmm. affect you? Like just honestly with regular depression? So I think, so I I started off living for everyone who doesn't know. Um, I started off living with my grandparents um, and then moved with my mom and my stepdad. I was living with my uncle at one point and then I was living with my brother, with 
friends and our neighbors. But how did that feel for you to not have to like have a concrete place? Just call your home. I think that that's a major part of where a lot of my mental health came from was not having exactly that, having a solid place to be like, this is my home. It's not scary. It's not intimidating. The concept of a safe home was sort of surreal to me until, until I could be in those other situations and not all of them worked, but the ones that did work um, sort of taught me what a real safe home could be like. So I just know a lot of other people in my life. It's a common theme that when they have moved around a lot, they just feel like they don't have things to call their own. Mm -hmm. Not that this is the reality of it. I know that there's just a feeling with it that you're kind of intruding on other people's lives a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And actually you did a lot of inspiration for me in the last week of reaching out to people, to people in my life who were there the entire time and what that felt like to them. And an intrusion was a huge thing for me was I felt like I was eating on other people's lives. Like, did you ever feel like Um, it was obligation or? Yeah, that's how I felt. I don't think, I mean, now I've asked them Um, this week. I took the time to ask and um, I know that that's not how they felt, but in the moment, definitely it feels like you know, like you didn't, Mm -hmm. or I didn't ask, or I asked, but you didn't ask for this. And so now you have this other person to take care of. And yeah. um, Yeah. I had another question here. A big theme on my account is just, there's a lot of advice out there about not being able to help people that don't want to be helped and how you should approach Mm -hmm. that. And there's so many different ways how people approach that. And I just want to know how you cope with not being able to help your mom because I know that you've mentioned before that you kind of accepted that this is going to keep going and that you're not going to be able to change it Mm -hmm. so I think for a long time my my whole existence was focused on changing her like making her better so when I finally had the realization that exactly like what you just said that you can't help somebody who doesn't want that help I think that that was a huge turning point for me I think the way to approach it in my opinion I mean and that's in my work and then also in my personal life with my mom is just I guess trying to support the person as much as you can and and to your limit as well right like not being able like not pushing yourself past what you feel good with, what you feel safe with, what's good for your mental health, but still, you know, supporting people in the way that they need. So what would you say your relationship with your mom looks like today? It's very different. I mean, so I I live on my my own now with my partner. Um, I'm pretty removed from the situation with my mom, which is helpful. We still don't have a typical mother-daughter relationship or what people would claim as a typical relationship. Is that ever something that you find yourself grieving, do you think? Yes, that I think is something um, I will always, always, always be healing from. I think I will always grieve it. I see, obviously, I have fantastic friends um, with fantastic relationships with their moms. Um, and I, I get jealous sometimes. Like, that's, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'll be very transparent. Um, yeah, so I think, I definitely think that's something that I will always struggle with. How did it feel to, like, reach out with your friends and... Um, yes. So that's the investigation that I did after you and I talked the first time. Uh, So I reached out to um, two families and then my my brother and my sister in law as well. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I ended up spending a lot of time with my neighbors and that family as well, as well as my, like I said, my best friend and her mom and dad and brother. And so I think because I was so young with some of those 
it was less about me having to reach out and more just about me transitioning into being in their lives and them sort of having to take on the role. Like here's this young girl who, who obviously needs a level of support. And so I'm, you know, at the, at the time, I think I just felt like I belonged, which was exactly what I needed. And then I think, I think as I got older, um, the fear or like the reality um, and the self-recognition of was I imposing like you and I were just chatting about, you know, was it frustrating? Was it scary for them? How did they feel? But it wasn't until just recently that I started, you know, thinking more about that. And um, but sometimes yes. experiencing things as sorry, I interrupted you. But sometimes experiencing things as a teenager, you don't think about those aspects, right? Like you might think about imposing, but you might not think, how are they feeling about like my mom or the situation that I'm going through, right? Yeah, exactly. When I asked them this week, their answers were amazing. It's not at all. I was expecting, I was expecting good things, but it was, it was amazing to hear that people were just willing to help. So yeah, I'm, I'm forever grateful for, for those people who took me in when there was, there was really nothing else for me to do. You've mentioned before that you're kind of anticipating more things happening and more events. How does that feel for you to have something like PTSD, but also know that more things are happening? How do you cope with that? Um, so, I, I mean, it's definitely not always healthy, but I think sometimes finding the happy medium of not ignoring things, but learning to put myself first um, and being selfish is something that yeah. I've learned to well I don't think um, putting yourself first is selfish yeah I mean I think I know you hear a lot of of different opinions out there but I personally don't yeah and I think just you know as much as it's ignoring is not always the healthiest uh, coping mechanism I think just being like I have to live my life and and whatever happens happens and I'm just Mm -hmm. gonna have to take it in in strides when she's not doing well because there you know there are times where she's doing incredibly well and then there are times where she's not she's not doing well and so on the times that she's not doing well I think I have to sort of like mentally prep myself that any phone call or any text could be something disastrous. That's really heavy. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, just leaning on the people who I know are there. I mean, my partner is great. And like I said, my friends and family. So, and then going through that together is a lot easier than having to do it by myself. I think the most interesting thing to me is that on your account, you kind of interview a lot of people. And Mm -hmm. when I was reaching out to you, you were just like, I never thought that I'd have a story people would want to listen to. And I just find that insane because there's so many different people going through similar things out there that can benefit from hearing this and benefit. I feel like there's a lot of people out there. I know many people that are even struggling right now where they're just in a situation like I was lucky enough to grow up with good parents, but there's a lot of people that are just kind of feeling hopeless, like in that stage where you were moving back and forth, not really sure what was going to happen. I feel like that's the place that they're in right now. So to Mm -hmm. see that somebody can grow up and be independent and kind of set those boundaries is pretty inspiring, I think. Thank you. And I want to know a little bit more about just some experiences from when you were younger. I know you mentioned something when we talked before, just about you when you were 18 and then you did get one of those phone calls where your mom had like (laughs) crashed her car or something like that. What was the narrative there for you? 
yeah, when I speak about these phone calls, uh, it's because they've happened in real life yeah. uh, in the past. To explain it a little bit, I had gone away with friends uh, and we were quite far up north and I got a phone call later in the evening. I want to say probably 10 or 11 from my stepdad who had let me know that my mom had driven um, driven her car into a building mm-hmm. um, and that she was in the hospital. She had been taken to the hospital. And you were so, only 18. I mean, yeah. Yeah. See, that's so, a lot. Yeah. And it's strange to think, to think back. I mean, I was so far away. I couldn't get home that night. It's strange to think back that I just managed it. Like I, I don't remember crying. I don't remember being all that upset. I just remember thinking, okay, tomorrow I'll go home and like, we'll deal with it. Well, I feel and like since you were back, younger, you said this started when you were 12, from 12 mm-hmm. to 18, that would have been you kind of learning that it's your responsibility to deal with it rather than oh my goodness like my mom just crashed her car it'd be like Mm -hmm. is my mom doing another thing you're kind of switched roles there Mm -hmm. yeah and I think looking back I think it's crazy even to think of those situations and be like why wasn't I more emotional why you know I didn't go into a panic and I think unfortunately I was just so used to situations like that taking place I'm sure Um, there's something like a psychological label for it. I mean, I'm not a therapist, but like I go through the same thing. Like sometimes really traumatic things will happen. I'm just like, okay, like I'm just calmer than I should be. Yeah. It's like you're more, it's like you're almost more equipped to dealing with trauma and I'm not sure what it is, but sometimes it's that way. Yeah. And I think just how long it had gone on and it was like, okay, it's just another thing. And like you said, sort of switching that role and and being like okay I need to go support my um my stepdad and I need to go support my brother and and um obviously make sure that she's okay physically so you think that you took on more of the caring role yeah I think so at any point growing up I know this started when you were 12 and you said you had a relatively normal childhood before you were 12 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at any point did you grow up thinking this was normal and then like seeing other families you're like wait this isn't normal like you guys have like a different dynamic yeah I think we got into the phase where we were sort of like we don't talk about what happens at home um so I would go to school nobody at school other than my close friends really knew I would just you know I would go through my day not thinking about it and just sort of dealing with it and then when I when I did get a little bit older so like early teens um and I started hanging around more of my friends and their families I think I realized that there were major major issues that were going on and that nobody nobody at that time that I knew was relating to it all of my friends had what I thought at the time were considered a perfect family to me yeah but but I didn't have that. And so it became like very hush hush. Like I didn't really tell people what was going on other than my closest friends. And I would try to hide how she was. So I would avoid her coming to school events or things where my friends would be because I didn't want anyone to know that I I had a mom. Definitely want to separate yourself from that, right? Your personality. Like, do you ever find Mm -hmm. growing up, you wanted to like prove how different you were? Or was that not something that happened for you? No, for sure. I've always been like that. I've always, I've always said that I wanted to go down a different path. And I think that I, I proved that I think that I conquered that. So that's probably like my biggest accomplishment is I feel like I'm a a successful person and I'm, um, I'm proud of that. So is there any point where you wanted to give up at all? Um, I think so. There were, you know, there are times like going through 
college and then university and I mean even high school without having that motherly figure even though I had you know fill in people and replacements and all these wonderful women um, it's not it's not the same as having your mom Um, and so there are things in my life and I'm sure that it'll continue I'm sure um, one day when I'm ready to have kids with my partner I'm sure that you know not having her as involved as what some other um, moms would be, I think that's a huge, that's going to be huge. Um, and so that's how I felt. That's how I felt back then going through university. Do I, you know, who am I doing this for? Um, yeah. And feelings like that. So definitely. And how has your perspective changed kind of with your mom and going through this as a child compared to now? Like, do you have any different emotions? Like, I know a lot of people, for example, if they parent their parent, they'll feel like they'll blame them. And then until a point where it just kind of switches and then they just understand that like their parents are struggling. And then it's just like yeah. a total different perspective, even if that blame is still there, like it's just a different perspective. Yeah. So that was a very, very big thing in my teenage years. In my teenage years, it was like I said before, how could she do this to me? Um, I played the victim a lot and it's not that I'm not a victim um you know having growing up like this it's not fair Um, nobody deserves to grow up in that kind of of situation but once I I you know turned 18 19 I started to think that exactly that she has her own mental health she has struggles she doesn't want to have an addiction she doesn't want to feel the way that she's and so I think that was the the switch for me was just recognizing that she also is a human as much as I struggled she struggled equally yeah okay and my next question I'm kind of writing them down as I go every time you talk Mm -hmm. I'm like oh my god like I want to know about that too (laughs) I want to know what the initial shock was like going from having a normal family or what you perceived as a normal family because sometimes it's hard to tell when you're younger you don't really see those red flags or the signs I want Mm -hmm. to know what that shock was like when she started drinking um I think confusion the so the first initial reaction was confusion like could you rely on her when you were like 11 per se yeah that's how it felt I mean we always had a bit of a you know a rocky relationship I think but I think a lot of people a lot of girlfriends that I have had the same sort of relationship um you know you you argue about you argue about things and but always I never felt um I never felt like it was a bad relationship. So confusion definitely at first. And then I think that's where the anger started, to be honest with you. I, I, I I don't think that the grieving and the sadness and, and all those feelings came until a little while later. Um, Sometimes what it is, is we'll have those feelings subconsciously and it's like expressed through anger. Like if somebody's not doing what they're supposed to do, or they're not supposed to be taking care of you how they're supposed to do inside deep down that'll hurt and it's expressed as anger kind of like why isn't it it's kind of unjust if that makes sense yeah and I think the best way for me to express those things was uh, not treating myself kindly and I think that's sort of where all of my mental health sort of ties in with that is that's where it started if I was to Mm -hmm. think back yeah so I think that that was that was initial for for me at least And you mentioned this was primarily alcohol, correct? Yeah. Okay. 
Um, I'm curious on what advice you have for people who are going through this. You mentioned that you are a social worker today because of what you went through and you want to be able to help others go through things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, my advice. So I think my advice would be different for for different situations. If I was to meet myself at 13 or 14, going through the exact same situation, I would probably say that it is not your fault. So what your parents choose to do, as much as it can seem like you are a part of that or you are a reason for it, uh, you're not. I would also say uh, it's not your job and it never was your job to have to parent your parent. We're obviously brought into this world with the sense that somebody is going to take care of us until we're ready to take care of ourselves. And that carries on, I think, into adulthood that you still feel like you need to parent your parent. Yeah, so just saying that, that, that it isn't your job. And I guess my biggest piece is that you can live a very, very fantastic successful, happy life where you meet goals and, you know, you, you meet expectations or you surpass expectations and you don't have to feel guilty about that. Yeah. And so do you that's have the a piece about guilt that you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, I think for, for a long time, I felt that moving out of my, my um, childhood home was in a sense, like abandoning my mom and then also abandoning my stepdad and so that was almost like making good decisions for yourself you felt like the more you did for you the less you did for them and you felt guilty about doing that yeah and so I felt like you know my stepdad and I had been a team for so long and we were able to sort of like tap each other out if if one of us needed to take a step back from the situation and so when I moved out and officially, you know, officially was moving yeah. on and I knew I wouldn't be going back home. I felt like, yeah, I, I had abandoned him in a sense. Um, and then her as well. I felt like she needed my help. She needed me to be there. So that was the huge thing. And it took years, years and years to, to get over that. Well, especially with your acceptance that no matter how much help you give, it's not really going to change mm-hmm. until something really clicks internally, right? So mm-hmm. I feel like that'd be difficult to to not do good things for yourself would just be accepting that you have to take that role for the rest of your life. Yeah. Do you ever find that you took responsibility in the sense that whenever something would happen, you kind of feel like, like it's almost like, I don't know, there's gonna be a really bad analogy, but it's like if you have a kid and they fight somebody on the playground, like you feel responsible for their actions. Did you ever feel responsible for her actions kind of switching those roles? Yeah. And I think, I, I don't think that's a bad analogy. Actually. I think that's a really, uh, I was really struggling to formulate my words. (laughs) No, I think that's a really straightforward way to talk about it. Yes. I felt responsible or to blame for many of the things that happened, Mm -hmm. even though logically my logical brain was like, this is not you. You physically did not do anything. It was almost like taking on the responsibility of your little kid. Right. And so because I was parenting, I was taking on the responsibility of what felt like my child. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense, actually. No, that was a good analogy. I liked that. Child, imagining what your life would be. Is it different than what you thought it would be? Like, did you ever like grow up kind of wishing that you'd have that life of like independence or? So growing up uh, with my mental health, I did not expect to see 
25. I was in Mm -hmm. a, you know, a really, really bad place for a really long time. And so I kind of just had, I had no expectations for years um, as a teenager. My, it was just, let's just get through today or let's just get through this year. So do you find you didn't do any future planning just to kind of protect that sense of you weren't expecting to have one? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, it's fine to talk about, you know, you're a teenager and you talk about weddings with your girlfriends or whatever that looks like. And I did engage in those things, of course, but, you know, I never expected to be in this field. I never expected to have a lifelong partner or a house. And so sometimes now today, when those things do happen to me, I'm in shock for months. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I bought a house uh, just in uh, September with my partner and still I sometimes I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I own this house. So sometimes it still feels like you're that teenager, you'd say? Yeah, I think so. But now I have all of these new, you know, these new future plans and future goals. And so, yeah, I mean, I wish back then I, I had felt the same, but I think feeling the way that I felt back then is just part of is just part of my journey. So So if somebody sat like 17 year old you down and said, what do you want from your future? How do you think you'd respond to that? Oh my gosh. That's an awesome question. I think back then I probably would have made some elaborate story with uh, some sort of business job and, um, you know, exactly what people wanted to hear. I'm sure I could have come up with something on the fly, but I don't know if it would have been genuine to me and how I pictured what my future would have been I I probably wouldn't have been honest that I didn't see a future with myself yeah I never would have guessed any of this any of this would have taken place so and so I mean turning 25 how does that feel now yeah I mean to kind of have that separation from your childhood it's a really hard thing to do kind of break that cycle right yeah so I think the older I get, the easier it is to understand that I have broken a cycle or that I have, you know, changed the path that I could have taken. It's, it still is crazy. I don't think it's ever not going to be crazy to me. I think it's always going to feel shocking. And Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's overwhelming as well, because like I said, I do feel like I'm going through some of these stages without a mom as much as she tries. And I will, I'll give that to her. She does try, but yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's amazing to sit down and just be like, yeah, this is, yeah, my 26th, almost 26th year of life. And um, yeah, I'm on the right path, I think so. And how do you think you're going to explain this to your kids if one day you have kids? Yeah, just the whole so, topic of addiction and struggling with that. And yeah, I think um, for me, the biggest thing for my kids and even my nephews now is just being so honest and open about mental health. You and I chatted last week, and we were talking about that kids experience anxiety and how so often that's ignored. My brother and my sister-in-law and I play a role as well are sort of raising my nephews to to know that they can talk about struggles and they can talk about things that they're going through and they can talk about feelings and like really, really tough emotions for a six-year-old, right? Yeah. And I think that that's just the biggest thing is like that's where we'll start uh, with our kids one day and we'll, we'll go from there and just letting them know that that it's okay to talk about these things. So as a child, looking back, could I know that you said that you had a relatively normal life before you turned 12 and the addiction mm-hmm. problems started, but mm-hmm. looking back now, were there any 
kind of red flags that you think that you missed or anything that would kind of lead up to that? Or did you not have that? And it was just kind of like a shock factor. Um, so I think more of the mental health piece, so less red flags about addiction, but more red flags about mental health. And I was 100%, everyone was 100% recognizing uh, mental health concerns of my mom, but even the difference between uh, years ago compared to now, even when we, when I was 12 or when we, you know, when we were children, mental health was such a different topic back then, even then. And it's not even that long ago in retrospect. And then if you think back to when, you know, our parents were teenagers, our parents were kids, it was even more removed. Um, And so talking to my grandparents and talking to my aunt and finding out that my mom's clearly was struggling with mental health as a teenager but when you don't have those open conversations and it carries with you I think that it just becomes you know overwhelming and eventually it's going to come back I think that's what happened I think Mm -hmm. it was easy for her to push off mental health and push off mental health and get married and have kids and have a job but then something is going to eventually trigger that or tip that I don't know what it was I don't know if I'll ever know what it was but I think it was just a is that something that bothers you not knowing? Yeah, partially because I remember a million conversations of just saying like, why did you choose to do this? Why are you doing this? And I think now looking back, obviously that was a little bit of ignorance on my end. I didn't know a lot about addiction. I didn't yeah. know a lot about mental health. And so now sometimes my realization is just she didn't want to do that. She doesn't want to do that. That's not this is not something that she's she's picked or chosen yeah. to do because she feels like it. So I just associate it with mental health and that, you know, she, she didn't have that support when she is ready to sort of heal and move on from this. I think a big piece will be working on, on her mental health. And do you think you'll be there for that? Uh, Obviously, like I said to you, um, I've removed myself to, to keep myself safe in that sense, but she's, she's my mom. And so I will be there if she wants to start that journey That'd be a really interesting topic itself, honestly. I know. It would be it would be amazing if, you know, a few years from now we chatted again and it was a that's where we were like in the Well, I just think journey. that like if you could have that conversation with her and kind of share what you shared here with her, that would be a lot to that'd be a lot to take in, I think. Yeah. For for both of you. Yeah. Because there's I always so, like too. two sides of what you're going through, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm sure she, I'm sure she thinks certain, certain things about, (laughs) uh, about me. And I'm sure she feels hurt in, in certain circumstances as well. So I, there will be a day, I I know there'll be a day that we're ready to talk about it. But until then, I think us having a sort of a separate life and living our lives the way that we need to is, is the best, the best bet. Mm -hmm. Well, I think this was a wonderful conversation. Like I said before, I could go on literally for hours talking about this, but is there anything that you want to say before we sort of wrap it up a little bit? Well, thank you. First of all, Uh, I think that you have given not just me, but so many people the opportunity to speak about things that, you know, we've never had the opportunity to speak about before. Yeah, no, you really, you really pushed me to reach out to people who I haven't reached out to, you know, and talking to some of my closest people and just seeing and even saying thank you. So, I mean, you 
So that's the thing that I like a lot, just because I feel like, I feel like it's just good to look at situations from different ways all the time. Even myself, when I was getting better from my own mental health issues, like my therapist just kind of said to me, like, if one thing is not working, try another way, you know, like just Mm -hmm. looking at everything from different ends is how you kind of grow self-awareness and keep growing through a situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you just, you're, you have this fantastic outlook on life as such a young woman. And so I think having people like interviewing people and talking to people and getting to know people's stories. It's just, Mm -hmm. I think it's just absolutely gorgeous. So um, yeah, you're doing really great things. So that's the end of the conversation with Ashley. Again, she's from uh, the allowance of growth. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about just your account before we go? Sure. Yeah. I I like to talk about mental health. Um, and a lot of self-care stuff. And I, I'm trying to be, it's a page where I try to be very open and honest and uh, it can be raw sometimes. Raw and so, though. yeah. The raw I stuff so I feel like is what helps people the most. I think so too. And I think it's all relatable. Like you said, I like to chat with people from all walks of life and see sort of things that they're going through. Yeah, so it's a whole, it's a whole learning. It's educational, I think. So it's a learning thing. Oh. <laughs> So if you want to listen to this podcast, this is just going to be on Apple. It's going to be on Spotify and you can just find the link in my bio. And that's all that we have today. So thank you for listening. Thank you.